Well, good morning. Glad you're here this morning. I've told you on numerous occasions that when I was in high school, I was a football player. And I know you like look at me and go, yeah, because you're kind of a big guy. I wasn't back then, but I did play football. And one thing that always frustrated me uh, in playing football was there was always those guys. There's always those guys who committed and made a decision to be on the team, right? You probably know those guys. But they were the guys that only committed a decision to be on the team. But when practice came, they were also those guys that seemed to find their way gravitating toward the end of the line, right? You know what I'm talking about. The guys that when they get close to the front, they just kind of found their way moving to the back of the line. They were the same guys that in the weight room while they were there, they were the guys that always seemed to have like 27 water breaks while in the weight room, right? Or they were the ones that were always disappearing to the bathroom. These were the guys that had a jersey with our team name on it but it never got dirty. Anybody that played any sports know those kind of guys, right? You know those gals, right? You know people like that. Well, here's what was so frustrating about this. They were like that. They really wouldn't practice. They really wouldn't work out. They really never got dirty, but they, they had a jersey, right? And what was really frustrating to me my senior year is when our team started winning, like by the time we got to like 9-0 or 10-0, these were the same guys that were trafficking through the hallways of our school bragging about how much they were part of this team and how integral they were to making this team as successful as it was. Just a little bit frustrated, right? Now, were they really part of the team? Yes and what? No. I mean, on one hand, they were part of the team because on one hand, they had a jersey, right? They, they had made a decision to join our team were the mules. Sorry about that. We were, the, we were the donkeys, and so we were the mules. And so they had made a, it's a whole other joke line. Don't, don't, don't chase it, all right? So we, we made, a, they, they made the decision to be part of the team, and they had a jersey. So on one hand, yeah, they were part of our team, but nothing about their practice and their lifestyle and their play reflected it, right? So no, they weren't. And I bring that up because of this. I think sometimes that's the same thing that's true in the Christian life. I think there may be a lot of people in the room today that you have, you have made a decision for Jesus. There's been a moment in your life when you were confronted that you are a sinner, that you needed forgiveness, and that you could not work your way to God. And the only way, the only pathway to a relationship with God was through the person and the work of Jesus. And you have made a decision for Jesus. You are saved. You're born again. Whatever word you want to use, you are a Christian. And for lack of a better way of saying it, you know that if you died this this very moment, you would spend eternity with him in heaven. You have made that decision. But yet your life doesn't really reflect the decision you've made. Right? You may be a part of the team. You, I mean, you've made that decision, but nothing about you reflects that you truly are a follower of Christ. What I mean is there's really no growth in your life. There's really no passion for Jesus. I mean, you know that you're going to heaven when you die, but when people around you, you don't have this contagious spirit about you that you are a follower of Jesus, that you live your life for Jesus. You really, nothing about you reflects your love and your life. There's no spiritual growth for you. And I just want to say to you this morning, we've been in this series for something more. Listen, the Christianity is not just about a decision for Christ. It's about growing in Christ. 
And I want you to know that because there's some of us in the room that when you said yes to Jesus and you, you know your salvation is secure and you're going to go to heaven when you die, that was the end for you. You're like, okay, now that I know where I'm going to spend eternity, now what? And so we go on doing what we've always done. That's just live life on our own agenda, our own way, our own path. And I want you to know that Christianity is more than just a decision. It is a life of spiritual growth. Here's what I mean. It's a life of becoming more like Jesus, right? So here's what I want to do today for the short time we have together is this. I want you and I to begin to think about what must I do to move beyond just a decision to really a life of growth. Because I want you to hear my heart this morning. If you find yourself in that category where you've decided for Christ, but you're not growing in Christ, here's where you're going to find yourself frustrated. You're going to find yourself looking at life going, okay, God, I don't feel you right now. God, I don't sense you. God, I read your word, but nothing's there. I mean, I'm doing all the right stuff, God, but but I'm struggling here. It's because it stopped with a decision for you. You made a decision for Christ, and that's where it kind of ended for you. And today, I want us to really understand God has more for us. It's not just about the fact you're going to spend eternal life with him. It's about that he wants you to live and experience the abundant life while you're on this earth. And part of that is our spiritual growth, right? Christianity is not just about a decision. It's about a life of growth. So how do we move beyond just the mindset of making a decision for Christ to where we really are living a life of growth? If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 9 is where we're going to be today. And we're going to take apart one passage of scripture, just one verse, Luke chapter 9. Now, I want you to listen to me. When we get there, Jesus is going to say something that's very, very very offensive. And here's why I'm saying that. Because what we're about to read is the commitment level that Jesus requires of us. And here's going to be your first response. Your first response is going to be, you know what? I see that. I hear that. But, I mean, let's be honest. In human nature, aren't we always looking for the exceptions to the rules? Aren't we always looking for the loopholes? We are, right? That's, that's our sinful human nature. And what Jesus is going to call us, and look, don't get mad at me because I didn't say it, but what Jesus is going to say today is going to kind of rock our boats a little bit, and we're going to be forced to ask ourselves this question, is, am I in line with what he said, or does there need to be some changes happen in my life? Luke chapter 9, one verse, verse 23, and it's this. And he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now let's, let's all read that together. Here we go. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, look, no, look, you're like, you're mumbling it. Come on, come on. I mean, we're reading the breath of God today. So let's read like we mean it. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now in this one passage, Jesus outlines four things that we must do if we're really going to live a life of growth. Four things that we have to do, and I want us to dissect them out. Here's the first one. We have to come after him. He says, if anyone would come after me. Now, I want you to notice there. If, can we put that verse right back up there, if you would? That verse. Listen, there's a word that's really important. It's the word if. Now, some of you are way smarter than me about the English language, but I know this, that if is a conditional statement, right? If you do this, this is going to happen. Now, what is the point Jesus is trying to drive here? It's this, is that what I'm about to tell you is a choice you make. Please hear me. Spiritual growth doesn't happen accidentally. It doesn't. Sharing your faith with a lost friend doesn't accidentally 
happen. Growing intimate in your relationship with Christ doesn't accidentally happen. It's a choice we have to make. He says, if anyone would come after me, and meaning that if you really want to come after me, it's a choice you have to make. One of the things I love about God is he never uh, coerces us to do anything, does he? God doesn't like bend our arm behind our back and go, you will do this, right? I mean, that's not how God operates. You know why God operates with the choices? Because scripture says that God chose us, right? Out of love and grace and compassion, he loves us. Doesn't he want the same thing from us toward him? That we would choose to live for him? He says, if anyone would come after me, meaning we all have a choice to come after him. Every single one of us in the room have made a choice or we're making a choice whether we're going to come after Jesus. Now, this phrase, come after him, literally means, if you were to kind of walk it out, is this, come after him means to be committed to him. In other words, you have a choice at the commitment level you have to me. A real quick survey, but no hands raised. How committed are we to the Lord? Some of us will go, you know, I, I, think, I'm, I think I'm pretty committed. Okay, are we faithful to give? Well, you didn't talk about that, Doug. Well, I'm talking about commitment. Well, I feel like I'm pretty committed. Well, are, you, are you serving right now? I mean, are you like serving outside in the community or in the church? Well, Doug, you didn't talk. Well, are you committed? Are you in a small group where iron is sharpening iron and you're, and you're learning what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, they're going to talk about that. You said, am I committed? Well, you, you get the picture. Many of us say we're committed to Christ, but if we start looking at the corridors of our lives, we find out is that my commitment is very, very shallow compared to what Jesus is really calling me to. Right? We have a choice to be committed to him. But this phrase, if we go, this phrase, come after him, This phrase, come after me, in the original language, it's in the active tense, which means we have a choice to actively be committed to Jesus. We have a choice. Whether we're actively going to commit our lives. Now, actively means, is that a commitment we make one time and we're one and done? Or is it a commitment we make over and over and over again? Come on, come on, come on. What is it? Is it a commitment we make one time or a commitment we make over and over again? Over and over again. It's active. It's moving. Right? He says, you have a choice to make. Now listen, here's the crowd. <clears throat> People have been following Jesus. In fact, when you read the Gospels, one thing you find out is that he always had a crowd with him, didn't he? He always had a crowd. And people are following him, and they're asking all these questions. And he just had an encounter with Peter where Peter <clears throat> declared that he's the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so this crowd is following him, and Jesus pauses, and he just begins to talk, and he says this, if anyone would come after me. In other words, hey, I know you've seen my miracles. Hey, I know you've heard my teaching, but I want you to know you have a choice you have to make. Are you actively going to come after me? Are you actively going to be committed to me or not? Now, what was Jesus' point in this statement? It's very simple. His point was to really be a disciple of Christ is more than just a decision. It's living a life committed to him. Being a disciple of Jesus Really becoming more like Christ is not just about a decision. It's about living a life actively committed to him, not the world. Because let's be honest. Aren't we probably overcommitted to the pleasures and the joys of this world and not as committed as we ought to be to Jesus? See, Jesus is calling them out. He's like, listen, I want your commitment. 
He's like, hey, I don't only want your heart. I mean, he's kind of raising the bar. I don't just want your heart for salvation. I want your life. I want you to grow. I want you to become more like me. I want this relationship to grow and to expand. So it's not just about a decision. It's living a life totally committed to me. Now, here's a question. When you read the Gospels, did Jesus ever call anybody to a commitment less than what we just read? Total, I mean, did he call anybody out and say, well, you don't have to really totally be committed to me. You can just kind of be committed to me. I mean, you can just kind of like love me on just like the Sabbath, which back then was on a Saturday. Yeah. I mean, you just can love me like one day a week. I mean, was he like calling them to a commitment that was weak and shallow? No. Do you remember the story of Peter? He's fishing, right? He's fishing. And he comes in and what does Jesus tell him? Throw down your nets and come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Did Peter go, well, you know what? I can follow you from a distance because I got a livelihood to take care of. I got family to take care of. That's what Peter could have said, but what did Peter do? What's the Bible say Peter did? Come on, what did he do? He dropped his nets and what did he do? He followed Jesus. He went after him. That was the commitment that Jesus called him to. See, it's not just about a life of decision. It's about a life of growth, of making sure that we are living a life totally committed to him. And here's the question I want you to think about. And how committed am I to Jesus? How committed am I to him? When I look at my life and my, 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 the different areas and the rooms of my life, have I committed my marriage to him? Have I committed my finances to him? Have I committed every area of my life to him? What's a choice you have to make? But what we're going to find out as we keep going through this one verse is the intensity gets a little bit more with everything he says. It starts out with, hey, you got a choice to make. You can either be committed to me or not. You can either actively commit your life to me or not. But you've got a choice that you have to make. Now, here's the thing. If we want to begin to grow in our journey of faith, it begins by making a choice to truly commit to Christ. Truly commit. Then let me give you the second thing he says here. <clears throat> verse, chapter 9, verse 23. It says, if any man would come after me, he must deny himself. Right? The second thing he says is to deny self. That doesn't mean denying that I really want chocolate right now, but I'm just not going to eat chocolate today. That's not what he's talking about, right? Denying self has a lot more involved than just that. In fact, to deny self means to say no to self, but I'm going to say yes to God. Right? Now, I want you to hear me this morning. To deny self means we need to be dying to some selfishness in our life. Let me give you four things that we're pretty selfish about. Number one, ambitions. We need to die to our own selfish ambitions. What I mean is our own personal view of what success looks like. You know, one of the things I find interesting in church is, so sometimes when you talk to people, you hear stuff like this. Well, Doug, I'm trying to live for the Lord, but it always seems like the wicked of the world are prospering. Anybody ever felt that way? Come on, come on. Anybody ever felt that way? Yeah, like I have. I mean, you're like, man, I'm trying to grind it out for Jesus. I mean, I'm trying to live. I'm trying to love my family. I, I, I mean, I'm doing all that I can do. But when I look at the people who don't, can't stand God, don't care for God, aren't living for God, and it seems like they're the ones that are succeeding in life. So I have an ambition to have that kind of success. 
know what Jesus says? You've got to die to that. Because here's the thing we find out. If you ever want to read a great passage of Scripture, they're all great, but one that will just wreck your world, it's Psalm 73. Because in Psalm 73, it starts out like this. Surely God is good to those in Israel who are pure in heart. Meaning, surely God is going to bless those who live for him. Now, would we agree with that statement? Come on, you're not very talking this morning. Come on, do we agree with that statement? Yeah, surely God's going to bless those who love him. But then like the next 20 verses, the psalmist is like, but when I look at the world, all I see is the wicked prospering. I see them talking bad about God. I see them doing this and doing that. But they're the ones that are succeeding, not us. And so this guy makes this right statement that God is good to all those in Israel, that he's going to bless those who live for him. But when he looks at the world, goes, but what I see is the world's being blessed, not me. And at the very end of Psalm 73, he makes a declaration. He says this, God, I was a brute beast before you. And then he goes on to say that he understands what true success is. True success is nothing that the world offers. True success is being in a relationship with the living God. That's success. And when we have to deny ourselves, we need to be willing to deny our selfish ambitions. I'm not saying you should never hope and dream. What I'm saying is you better make sure your hopes and dreams are aligned with what God wants for you, not just what you want for yourself. That the success you desire is not the success you want just because you want it, but because it's a success about growing my intimacy with God. He says, I want you to deny yourself. I want you to deny and die to selfish ambitions. Also, it means I want you to, to die to your desires. How many of you would be honest enough to say this, that sometimes my world is all about what I want? Right? If you don't believe me and you have a family, just ask them where you want to go eat after church today, Right? Is it ever the same place? Come on, is it ever the same place? I mean, my family, it's like a mess. I mean, it's like, you know, I want to go, like, I want to go to Wendy's. Well, I hate Wendy's food. Or I want to go here. Or I want to go there. I mean, there's just this real sense of we, we can never be on the same page together. And so I think the same thing's true in our journey with Christ is that sometimes we kind of let the, all we want take over. God, I want this. God, I want that. God, I need this. And, and we use God as like a vending machine. If we put enough prayers in and push enough buttons, we're going to get what we want. And when we die to self, we're saying, God, I'm trading in my desires for what you desire for me. Because what you desire for me is way better than what I desire for myself. That's what it means to deny yourself. It also means to deny and to die to our mindsets. The mindset that many of us operate around is that the world revolves around us. If you don't believe me, just look at small kids, right? You remember when your kids were like two, three years old, and they had their toys, and they invited a neighbor over, and they came over to play, and that little child wanted to play with your kid's toy, and your kid grabbed the toy, what did they yell out? Mine, right? This was bought for me. This is mine. This is not anybody else's. I mean, and some of us live this world this way, that, that the world revolves around us. It revolves around what we think. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, how many of you in the room like to be right? Come on. I do. I do. Okay, yeah. I mean, so we, we, we really wrestle with this, right? Because when we want to be right all the time, it's kind of like the world needs to revolve around my mindset, my thinking, my approach to things. And if we're going to deny self, we've got to be willing to say, life is not about me. Life is about Jesus. Life, my life on this earth is about making much of him, not making much of Doug. And we have to be willing to deny ourselves. It also means to be willing to die to our own tendencies. 
And our tendencies are very simple. Typically, you and I will always gravitate when it comes to a decision to what benefits me the most. Right? What benefits me the most is typically the way that I'm going to lean. And I'm just telling you, when you deny your own personal tendencies, we will begin to learn to live a life of selflessness, not selfishness. So Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you got a choice to make today. you got a choice whether you really want to be committed to me or not. But if you do, here's where it begins. Deny yourself. Because here's the thing. If we don't deny our tendencies, if we don't deny our mindsets, if we don't deny our desires and ambitions, eventually those things become the priority of our life. My ambition is now the new priority of my life. I want to succeed at all costs, and so I'm going to do everything that way. Or my desires is the the priority of my life. And listen, when those things become priority, they also become idols. Right? When those things become a priority in our lives, Then they become idols. And my Bible still says that God is a jealous God. That nothing is to take his place. So to truly deny self means to totally surrender everything. Everybody say everything. Everything Everything to Jesus. Now what does everything mean? Everything. Man, you're so smart. Everything. Withholding nothing. Right? If I'm going to deny self, that means in every area of my life, my finances, my relationships, my desires, my hopes, my dreams, my wishes, every area of my life, I surrender them to the Lord and go, Lord, I trade in all this that I desire, that I want for what you want for me. I'm denying self. And listen, if we're really going to grow in our faith in Christ, there has to be a denial of self, or we can't grow. And then Jesus says this, if any man would come after me, he must deny himself, and then he says, take up his cross daily. Take up his cross daily. So we have to take up our cross daily. Now, the word I want you to focus on just for a moment is daily. How often are we to do this? Every day. Here's what I have found out in my own journey, that I may wake up one day and I'm excited for Christ and I'm living and I'm praying and I'm reading and I'm doing stuff, but you know what? By the next morning, I need to keep doing that thing. It's not like I can do it one time and I can ride it out for seven days. We know what that looks like, right? Right? Stress, anxiety, fear, doubt. He's like, I want you to do this thing daily. And he says, I want you to take up your cross. I want you to take up our cross. Now, there's been a lot of sermons and a lot of scholars try to define that. So I want to give you a very practical way of defining our cross, okay? Does it literally mean that that God wants Jason to go out and build this massive 4 by 4 cross and pick it up and carry it with him everywhere he goes? Maybe, I don't know. But practically, no. Here's what Jesus is saying. There's some things the cross represents that I want you to take up in your life every day. There's some things that the cross are a picture of that I want to be part of your life every day. Let me give you three things it's a part of. Number one, humility. The cross is a picture of humility, isn't it? Listen to this in Philippians chapter 2. It says, let each of you look not on his own interest, but also the interest of others, having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, he, being found in human form, he 
humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of what? By what? Death, even death on the cross. See, the cross is a picture of humility. Jesus humbled himself and went to the cross for us. I love it when Jesus having an encounter with people and he said this. He said, no one takes my life. I lay it down of my own accord. Right? You know what Jesus is saying is I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to the cross. Why? Why? This is crazy. Why? Because I want to. Because I love you. And I'm just telling you, one thing that we need to take up in our life every day is a heart of humility. And let's be real honest, for some of us, that may be really tough because we're really prideful. We don't want anybody's help. We think we can do it on our own, or we think we have to be right, and we are loaded with pride. And I'm telling you, that does not reflect Christ well. And if we're going to grow in our journey with Christ, we've got to take up our cross. And one of those things is taking up humility every day. Let me give you another thing. It's this. It's suffering. The cross is a picture of suffering. I don't have enough time this morning to talk about the suffering that Jesus went through. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I, I've been in service before where they actually brought in someone who's kind of like a, a, a doctor, a biologist, someone that explains the crucifixion and what that would do to the body. I mean, it actually is one of those things that, that leaves your stomach turning for like hours and hours and hours. So think about what Jesus went through. But just kind of in a nutshell, let's just say this. You know that when they drove the nails into him, I mean, and they put him on a cross and they hung him, I mean, and the Bible says his, his tongue began to swell and he was like, he was thirsty and they gave him, you know, vinegar. I mean, I mean, he was abused. The Bible says almost beyond the point of recognition. Now, I don't know what that looks like, but I can tell you the movie The Passion of Christ doesn't come close to it. And that was horrific, wasn't it? And he's on a cross and he's hanging on the cross, and he's having to push up on his free feet just to get air. Can you imagine the agony that he was in? And Jesus suffered, and he bled, and he died for us. A picture of the cross is a picture of suffering. I know what some of you are thinking. Well, is that my story? Listen to what Jesus said. Luke chapter 6. Blessed are you when people hate you. Now, have you ever read this verse and go, really? Did he really just say that? Blessed are you, listen, when people hate you, not just because they hate you because you're honoring a jerk, but when they do, they, they hate you and when exclude you and revile you and spurn you and name an evil on the account of the Son of Man. In other words, blessed are you when you suffer for my name's sake. Blessed are you when you so stand up for the gospel, when you so, so stand up for Jesus, when your life is all about him. Blessed are you who really are living for Jesus and people are repulsed by you. People hate you. Listen, if people hated Jesus and we live for Jesus, guess what? People will hate us. That's part of our story. The picture of the cross is a picture of suffering. And we have to be willing every day to suffer for the name of Christ, not cower so we don't stand for Christ. Let me give you one more thing the cross represents. It's a picture of death, right? Ultimately, what did Jesus die on? The cross, right? Listen to this, Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated and at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things of this earth. For you have what? Come on, come on. What you have what? You've died. You have died, and he says this, and your life is hidden 
with Christ. Meaning you've died to the old self and you are a new person in Christ. Your story is this. When you accepted Jesus, you died to the old and you're given a new nature. You are a new creation in Christ. See, part of taking up our cross is living our lives in such a way that daily we are willing to humble ourselves like Christ humbled himself. That daily we are willing to suffer for the name of Jesus because he loved us enough to suffer for us. That daily we are willing to continue to die to self and to surrender our lives because we belong to him. Take up our cross. And then he has this one last phrase, and follow me. Right? Follow me. Now, when I read this, can we put the whole verse up there, Caleb? Would that be great? Could you put that whole verse up? See, when I read Luke 9.23, here's the way I want to read it, all right? He says this. Throw that up there if you don't mind, buddy. Yeah. And he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You know where my heart and mind jumps to? The last thing. Follow me. Let's go. Right? I mean, I'm ready to jump to the end. Okay, let's go, Jesus. Let's follow you. But what Jesus has done here is he laid out for us that follow me is the last part of this thing, isn't it? See, I, would not, I, I jump to the end ready to do the end and kind of skip over the things that Jesus said. Now, here's the thing that Jesus said. If you really want to be my disciple, if you want to make this life more than just a decision, but a life where you're really growing and becoming more like Christ, here's what you need to do. You've got to make a choice if you're going to follow me. You've got to make a choice if you're really going to commit to me 100%. You've got to deny yourself. Deny the things that want to take priority in your life and live life the way I want you to live. And you've got to take up your cross. You've got to take up humility, suffering, and you've got to die to self. And then your position to do what? Follow him. Now, I would rarely say this, but as I was reading this, I just felt like writing it down. It's in your notes. It's almost as if Jesus gave us a formula for spiritual growth. And here it is. Desire, meaning making a choice to commit to him. Denial and daily. That I have a desire to be committed to the Lord, that I'm going to deny myself, and that I'm going to daily take up my cross. Now I'm positioned to truly follow after Jesus. Now, this is the cost of being a disciple of Jesus. This is the cost and what is required to truly grow in our faith and become more like Jesus. Because didn't Jesus do all this stuff? Well, I don't know that he ever denied himself. Or do you remember when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed, Lord, if this cup can pass before me, but not my will, but your will be done? I mean, is Jesus asking anything of us that he didn't do first? No. This is the commitment He's calling us to. And my question for you is this. Are you willing to make that commitment today? See, some of you, here's what you found out. That your commitment to the Lord is on par with this. Man, you're like, you know what? I get it. I get it. I get that I I have been denying myself. I have made a commitment to follow him. I'm reading my Bible. I'm sharing my faith. I have been taking up my cross. I could be a little bit more humble, but it's it's on my radar. I mean, some of you are like, yes, this message is one of those, yes, I, I know that, and that's why I'm growing in my faith. I get it now why there's so much growth. But then some of us are going, well, maybe this is why I feel stuck. Maybe this is why I just feel like I'm not gaining any traction in my journey with Christ. But listen to me, folks. 
this is the commitment he's calling us to. Now, would you agree that that's pretty intense? Amen? Come on, would you agree that's intense? Amen? Amen. And some of us were really honest going, I'm not sure I want to buy into that. But that was a commitment. Now, listen, I want you to jump to the end of Luke with me, the very end of Luke chapter 9, the very end, because this, this kind of fleshes out. Because this is the commitment he's called people to. And then we have at the very end of Luke, three people that come to Jesus and they say, I'm making a choice to truly commit and to follow you. And let's look how those stories go. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. As they were going along, now remember, Jesus just taught this stuff. His disciples, I'm sure, were like dumbfounded. Like, you know what? I'm not sure I grasp what he really said. But they're walking along. And it says, and, uh, someone came up to him and said, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And then another came up to him and said, I will follow you, follow you, but let me first go bury my dead father. And Jesus said, leave the dead to bury the dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said to him, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to my home. And Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit to be in my kingdom. Now listen to me. Here's what happens. Jesus made this great declaration that we all have a choice to make whether we're going to be committed to him or not. And if we are, we've got to deny self, take up our cross, and then we're positioned to truly live a life following him. A life of growth and becoming more like him. Jesus laid it out beautifully. And on the way they're walking this journey... Three people come up, and the first person comes up and says, I will follow you wherever you go. And you remember what Jesus says? Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You know what he was saying? I'm homeless. Now, what was he challenging these people to do? He's like, are you willing to deny a home and possession to follow me? Are you willing to walk away from the security of having a home and all your possessions and follow me? Now, how do those people respond? Do you remember? You remember how they responded? They didn't. They didn't. Hey, Jesus, I'll follow you. Great. Here's what's going to cost you. I'm out. <laughs> right? And then another guy came up to him and said, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you, but let me first go bury my dead father, which, which sounds like his dad has died and, and Jesus is being insensitive. But really, that was a Middle Eastern expression, which means my dad is elderly. He's about to die. Let me first go and collect my inheritance, and then I will come follow you. It's kind of an expression that they understood that time. And what did Jesus say to him? Let the dead bury the dead. And what Jesus really challenged him is, are you willing to deny financial security to truly follow me? Now, how did that guy respond? Come on, how did he respond? He didn't. Hey, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go bury my dead father, collect my inheritance, and then I'll be on board. Because I could probably fund this ministry, Jesus. I'll be right back. And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. It's not about following me tomorrow. It's about following me right now. And we never hear from that guy again. And then finally a guy comes to Jesus and says, listen, I, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, but first let me go tell my family goodbye. Let me go say farewell. And Jesus says it this way, when, when you put your hand to the plow, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit to be in my kingdom. And in other words, are you willing to forsake everything to truly follow me? How did that guy respond? Come on, how did he respond? He didn't. Hey, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but let me just tell my family, bye. hey, peace out, family. No, 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 no. It's not about turning back. It's about going forward right now. Not tomorrow, not next week, right now. And we never hear from that guy again. 
So here's what I see when I read those three passages. I see a lot of great intentions, but no real decisions. Are you with me on that? I see a lot of great intentions, but no real decisions. And is that possibly true for us? Is that possibly true for us? That maybe we have the best intentions in the world, but we've never really made real decisions to be committed and to follow Christ, to forsake everything, anything he would ask of us, to be his disciple, to grow in our faith, and to become more like Christ. See, here's the thing. He is calling us to the same things he called them to, to make a choice, to deny self, to daily take up our cross, and to follow him. And to do anything less than that is not being a disciple of Jesus. And so here's my prayer for all of us today. My prayer is just very simple, that somehow we would move beyond good intentions and that we would move to some real decisions today. That we would take a real good inventory of our lives and ask ourselves the hard questions like, am I really committing, actively committing to live for Christ? Every day of my life, my one goal is to make Jesus known. Are we making that decision? And if we are, are we denying ourselves when, when our self and our old flesh tries to creep its way up and, and I want to impose my desires and my will and my ambitions? Am I denying those and going, God, but what do you want for me? What do you have for me? Are we doing that? And are we taking up our cross where we're taking up humility, willing to suffer for the name of Christ, and even being willing to die to some things that are in our life that are killing us? And then we're positioned. Listen, and then and only then are we positioned to really follow Jesus and to grow in our faith and to become more like him. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm just going to ask you everybody to stand up with me. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody's going to be looking around. And I'm just going to call you some commitments today. And we're going to do this maybe a little bit differently. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody's going to look around. The band's going to come and get ready to sing for us in just a moment and lead us in worship. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to be super honest this morning and say this. You know what? If you're that person that's wrestling with really making a commitment to actively actively can be committed to Christ, but you want to. I just want you to slip your hand up, put it down. I'm going to pray for you, not by name, but just by where you find yourself. Amen. Just put it up, put it down. Amen. Man, amen. Amen. Or if you're here today and say, you know what, I've made the choice, but I'm struggling at denying myself. I like what I like a whole lot. And I'm struggling there. Would you pray for me, Doug? Would you just slip your hand up, put it down? Or if you're saying, you know what, Doug, I'm struggling with taking up my cross. I'm struggling with humility. I got a lot of pride in my life. Or, Doug, I don't know that I like suffering too much because I like to be liked by people. I don't want people to look at me and, and not like me because of my faith in Christ. Or maybe there's some things in my life I need to put to death, but I haven't. But I, I'm struggling taking up my cross. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and put it down? Man. We all find ourselves somewhere with this. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Before the band ever sings, with your head bowed and your eye closed, if you really want to make a decision to change some of those things, make a new commitment, I'm going to ask you to slip out of your row, come down to the front and join me at the altar and just cry out to God because I'm going to pray for you, but there's nothing like you crying out personally to the Lord. 
that you say, Lord, I'm choosing you today. I'm committed to you today. Lord, I'm going to deny myself and surrender to you today. Lord, I'm going to take up my cross because I want to reflect people toward you. Lord, I truly want to follow you. Not just have good intentions. Today I'm making real decisions. And if that's you today, right now, even as I'm talking, just slip out of your seats, make your way to the front, to these nice rugs, and just kneel down before a holy God and just begin to cry out to him. And in just a moment, you just come, you just kneel down, just pray. If this gets full up here, you can sit in the front row or get on your knees where you're at or sit down. But if you really have a desire, not just a weak intention, but a real decision to follow Christ, just tell him what you need to change in your life, what he needs to change in you. Just make your way. Just pray. And if you don't feel the courage to step out, pray right where you're at. Say, Lord, this is I'm struggling. I, I need you today. I want to move beyond just a decision for you. I want to move to a place where I'm growing in you and becoming more like you. Would you join me as we pray? God, I love you. I thank you. God, as I read this one verse, it has got so much richness to it that as people were journeying with Jesus, he had this moment where he just paused and he called them out. He said, this is what real discipleship looks like. If you really want to follow me, if you really want to grow and, and become like me, it looks like this. And God, I'll be the first to confess today that when I look at that, I, I, I'm, I struggle wanting to, to do that. I struggle wanting to buy into that because the level of commitment you call us to is something like that's unparalleled to anything else in my life. But Lord, I pray for all of us today that we would decide that we're going to make those commitments because you made the ultimate commitment to us, that you loved us so much that your son died for us. And there's nothing that you're calling us to commit to that Jesus didn't already do. So God, I pray for believers in the room that we would be challenged today, challenged to move beyond just a sense of, I know Jesus is my Savior and I'm going to heaven, to a sense of, I want to grow and I want to explode in my faith and I want to model and reflect and become more like Jesus. And whatever's holding us back, may we just confess that and give that to you this morning. And Lord, I pray for those who don't know you, that as they would hear this message, that today they would realize the beauty of the message is it, sh- it paints a picture of how much you love us. That the very things you call us to are things that Jesus did for us. And maybe someone needs to know you as their Lord and Savior. May they make that decision today. May they recognize their sinner and need of a relationship with Jesus. And may they confess it and trust you as the Lord and Savior. Lord, would you just break our hearts today? Would you just point out the areas of our life that we are not denying self? Would you point out the areas of life that we aren't taking up our cross? And would you point out in our life if we really are just following you or if we're just a fan of you? And may we make some real decisions today. Lord, we love you and we ask your Holy Spirit to move among us. Of course, in your precious and your Holy Son's name we pray. Amen, amen. Let's worship together. And if you need to come pray, please do.